0: Are you looking to build your investigation business and improve on your skills? Have you ever wanted a resource library that is fully customizable? Check out investigatorstoolbox.com. Hundreds of investigators have already joined this fantastic community. The Toolbox is the place to go for networking, continued education, and data resource management. Don't miss the discounts and benefits from all companies like Crosstracks, Delft Point, IRB, PI Magazine, PI Gear, the PI Institute of Education, and Cynthia Hetherington. Just 49 cents a day gets you access to this amazing site. Investigators-Toolbox.com Investigators-Toolbox.com It's time to take your business and your training to the next level. Reliable evidence, whether in the form of video, witness statements, open source research, is critical to success in litigation and alternative dispute resolution. For nearly 40 years, the legal, corporate, and insurance communities have placed their trust in Stumar investigations to deliver secure intelligence and actionable results. Led by Stuart Drobney, Stumar offers investigative and litigation support services across a diverse set of practice areas, including insurance, business intelligence, intellectual property, telecommunications, and family law matters. Headquartered outside of Philadelphia, Stumar is licensed throughout the Mid-Atlantic states, Florida, and maintains a trusted network of global partners to handle the most complex of cases. Call 800-355-1199 or email info at stumarinv.com and reference PI Perspectives for a free consultation, training or partnership opportunities. Visit stumarinv.com for more information. Check out the PI Institute of Education at piinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigators toolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. Welcome to this week's show. Our guest today is Sal Liffrieri, the risk advisor. We're talking drones and the role they play with investigators and security professionals. Sal turned a decorated career in NYPD into a specialized skill in risk assessment. Please welcome the
1: risk advisor, Sal Liffrieri and your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everybody to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host. This week we are back in New York. I tapped into a local guy, somebody I've known through my state association for quite some time. And today we're talking drones. Uh, I want to welcome Sal Lafieri to the program. Sal, how are you? Doing good,
2: Matt. Doing good. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining. We we have uh, podcast worlds colliding here. You guys have a a great show you do with your partner Jim Henry called the Risk Advisor. And if you haven't checked it out, folks, I, I really highly recommend it. It's something that I enjoy listening because I don't know much about that side of the business and, and I've learned a bunch. So uh, how long have you been doing the show? So?
2: so original version of the show was about a year, year and a half, two years ago. Now we started the show and then we took a little bit of a hiatus with it. Right. And then started, uh, the, I think the end of June is when uh, Jim Henry and I got together. Okay. And decided to do it. We've been having some fun with it.
1: Yeah, that's great. What I love about it, again, you guys talk about stuff I have no idea about. It's just not my business, but I learn. You know, it's like, oh, I never, I never
2: thought about. That. With, a lot of times we're talking about stuff and we have no idea either. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> fake it till you make it, baby. Right. <laughs> um. So, give me a little bit about your background, man. How did you get into this business and what you do beforehand?
2: Oh God, it was uh, 20 years with the NYPD. Uh, through you know patrol, started out in the four four precinct in the South Bronx. Did, uh, uh, did patrol, did anti crime, did a couple of years in robbery investigations, then went to the four six precinct, which was just north still in the South Bronx. Uh, was an area that was deemed the most violent square mile in America. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a fun time to be a detective there. Spent about six years there, and then went to the intelligence division few assignments in there. We headed up the Russian organized crime for the department and then went over to the intelligence division was modeled after the secret service. So half the house did protection, half the house did criminal investigations and organized crime. Right. And so I went over to protection and started up a unit there called protective operations. Right. Where we're responsible for all of the threat investigations and threat assessments. And then the major event security advances for the mayor and the elected officials. That's great. Families.
1: So you definitely were laying the, the foundation for what you do now. So the name of your business now is Protective Countermeasure, right? That's uh, that's, right. that's yeah. your uh, your operation. And, and really, I would say those skills that you acquired in NYPD probably helped you a lot, <laughs> figuring out exactly what you want to do post. Uh, you, post yeah, uh, no, I tell
0: you, I
2: was I was really fortunate and I'd love to say that it was all part of a big, you know, big game plan that I had. Right, but I, I really just kind of you know stumbled around towards the end of it. And I mean, when when I left the four six squad, you know, the boyhood dream was to be a homicide detective, right? And so I'm in the four six and I'm working homicide cases.
1: Lots of homicides and
2: there. <laughs> lots of homicides. You're in the right place. Yes, <laughs> you get a lot of practice, yeah. And then you realize after a few years that you know, okay, now I got 12 more years to go, and this is it. And so. Um, I was fortunate enough, I had the opportunity to go to the intelligence division. Mm-hmm. I took advantage of that. While I was in the 4-6 squad, I had gotten, uh, I had applied for and was selected to the hostage negotiation team. Uh, so I, I was able to get a whole lot of experience and training there, which which helps greatly today. Right, uh, Dealing with, you know, threats and the assessments, you know, right. and dealing with the people that we
1: have to contend with. Sure, sure. What would you say is different then as opposed to now, technology-wise and even technique wise.
2: Oh God. I you know, I did a talk at Pepperdine University out in California, and we had this, we had this conversation with, with graduate students. And they were saying, you know, the, I had retired as a former director of security and intelligence operations. So they wanted to know about running intelligence operations and about big brother listening. Right. And I said, you know, it, it the, the, the thing that drives me crazy, said. I wish we had the technology when I was running intelligence ops, I wish I had the technology that's available today over the counter. Right. You know, back then, you know, it was if you were trying to get a wiretap, you had all kinds of things and hoops that you had to go through and whatever, you know, today it's a different ballgame. Yeah. Uh, And then with the apps and the open source intelligence that's available, God, it just would have made life
1: so much easier. Yeah. It's a game changer. You know, it's like, oh, it okay. really is. <laughs> you know, things are, are, are much easier. I remember back when, when I was in school doing internships with Department of Investigation in New York City um, in the um, in the squad department. So I was helping out with wiretap stuff and, and video stuff and, and uh, just trying to... Um, you know, equip everybody with the, the the correct equipment. It was so bulky and just like you know uncomfortable, and you know half the time the stuff didn't work the way it was supposed to work. It was really really frustrating.
2: Do, do you remember? I'm showing my age, but you know if you would, I may be a little older than you. The Nagras and it was the real the real tape, right. And those were the little devices that you had to secrete on someone or yeah. you're going to secrete in a location and you only had like 20 minutes worth of tape to go. Yeah, yeah it's just all oh, the batteries would die. And it's just, you know, today you can get hours and hours and hours digitally and then be able to play with it and do whatever you want and get yeah. it immediately.
1: I think I I think remember seeing that on Donnie Brasco. <laughs> 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 I'm not quite that old. <laughs>
0: well uh, i don't go
2: back to one-way radios so right. smoke signals so. right <laughs>
1: come quickly <laughs> oh, that's cool man but it, it really i mean listen we're close enough in age that um you know seeing that that advance of technology um it is has been impressive it's been a game changer it, it it makes it um uh easier to appear much larger as an organization uh, because you have these tools than you actually are. Um, and it, it just, it helps you manage your business um, in, in many, many, many different ways. I mean, we're, we're talking technology today. We're talking about drones and we're going to get into that in a little bit. You had done a segment on your show a few months ago. I was just blown away by it. I was like, wow, this is really, really cool stuff. Because I would say I do get a lot of inquiries on drones and using drones and you know, I may not be the most versed on it. Uh, so I don't want to give bad advice or anything like that, but we'll we'll get into that stuff after the break. But you know, just talking technology, it's, uh, it's very, very cool to see how things, um, you know, jumped up like that. So when you decided to start your own thing, were you just a solo guy? Like what, what did that look like saying, okay, now I'm transitioning and I'm going to start my thing.
2: So the the God's honest truth, and people think it's a joke and a comedy routine. But the God's honest truth was, by the time I had retired, I was I was into woodworking. I, yeah. had, I had a little wood shop at home. I had, was into woodworking. I really just wanted to sit on the front porch and sell, you know, birdhouses. <laughs> That's
1: all I wanted to do. I was done. You know, I, was, I want an eagle or a bear. That's that. <laughs> I'm putting my order know, in now. <laughs> you want a shelf? I'll cut you a piece of wood. Here you go. Thanks. Bye. You know. Right.
2: But that uh, you know about. Wife was, uh, had different object, you know, different thought process in her mind about what was going to be done.
1: Sure. Mortgages, college, you know, car payments, stuff like that.
2: And then you, and then you realize that, you know, so when I was just, before I retired, I was in the intelligence world and and traveling and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So I was never home. And when I retire, now I'm home. And now all of a sudden it's, oh, by the way, you know, the garden is coming. The plumber is coming. The the cable guy has to be here. You know, this one's got to get picked up. That one's got to get dropped off. And I went, oh, what's going on? (laughs) All of a sudden we're doing
1: this. (laughs) You got to go back to work. (laughs) All of a sudden,
2: this is what happens when you're not around. Yeah.
1: That's I was
2: like, I got to start a company. I got to get out of (laughs) here. And I started a consulting company. (laughs) That's fantastic. I escaped more than started.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I think is impressive too is, is your ability to go out and speak and and talk about your, your background. So what, how did you make that decision? Like what, what led to that? And, and what does that look like? Do you have to go apply to places? Do people solicit you to talk? Like what what does that, uh, what does that look like?
2: I've been really fortunate in that regard. Um, Once I started the consulting company, I was about maybe about a year and a half, two years into it. And there was a publicly traded company called Diversified Securities, Mm -hmm. and they were traded on the, uh, the American exchange. And they were interested in bringing in a consulting division. And they wound up acquiring me. So I went through a merger and acquisition process very early on in the stage. Right. And I wound up with that company. And part of that was they wanted me to be the spokesperson. Right. So I wound up getting my media training from them and got to talk to you know the accountants and legal about what you can and cannot say and go forward statements and what have you. Right. So I had gotten all of that training from there. And then a few years later, when I left and started protective countermeasures, uh, it was just a carryover. The media realized that you know, I had moved on and came and said, "Listen, you know, would would love to talk to you about you know what's happening in terrorism and security." Sure. And it, and it just went from there. And then once you start doing that, it just becomes sort of snowball effect where right. organizations will reach out and say, "You know, would 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 you mind coming and talking?" And right. And you do. So
1: I'm sure you found yourself on, on TV more than once, you know, uh, you know, when, when any of these incidents take place, I'm sure like when Boston happened to you, your phone was off the hook. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've, again, I've been, you know, somewhat fortunate in the fact that I get, you know, I've been pulled by the press literally around the world as press organizations have come and asked for quotes and wanted some time and, and you get to, you get to talk with them. And that's, you know, it's 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 a fun thing. It you know, it's it's kind of nice to do, yeah. and it's it's great for. You know, you don't make a whole lot of money out of it because right. people don't people don't pick up the phone and say, "I saw you on TV. Can you come and do this?" What people wind up doing is, you know, your clients wind up really benefiting out of it. Because they get bragging rights, yeah. you know they'll they'll be sitting around in a meeting and say talking about an event, the Boston Marathon bombing, and say, hey, "Did you see that guy yesterday? He's my guy." Yeah. So you you get to use that as some credibility, and you get to use it at, for client bragging.
1: Oh, that makes sense. I, I recently we just did a show with Carrie Kursky, and we were talking about that, like going on to um, the news and doing like segments on things that are maybe not necessarily aren't even your specialty but just the fact that you're going out there and you're, you're you're talking about something giving tips on how not to, you know, get your identity stolen or something like that, you know, as a private investigator, that's not really our wheelhouse. You know, we kind of we can help clean up the mess maybe afterwards, but it's not something that would that, you know, that proactive stuff, but you know, being able to get on and 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 talk about stuff is good exposure. Um, so it's very interesting.
2: It's great. It's great exposure to get. Um, You know, I joke about it all the time. I said, you know, every once in a while, I'd love to be called for like to do a parade or something. (laughs) The Grand Marshal. The Most nonviolent thing I got to do in all years of doing it was when the Pope came to New York. Right. And they had me at the anchor desk and kind of doing the color of the, you know, the security operations forum. Right. And that was, that was about the most nonviolent thing we got to do. And we just realized that I was there. Basically, if they tried to kill the Pope, I'd get to talk about it.
1: And yeah, I'm there like, you
0: go.
2: Can I do like the Macy's day parade. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>
1: <laughs> so, fun. so funny. Here comes the Pope mobile. <laughs> I always wondered about that thing. It's such an interesting vehicle. Uh, that's another story for another show, I guess. All right. So we're we're gonna jump out here and take a quick break. And w- and when we come back, I do wanna dive into drones and really talk about it. And both on the security side and the investigator side and, and uh things that, that maybe we don't realize are available and things that we think are available that aren't really available and probably shouldn't be doing. I wanna you know cover those topics. So everybody sit tight and we will be right back. Cross-tracks case management system, that is what we are talking about today. Are you using a case management system? What are you waiting for? If you don't use a case management system, you really need to look into implementing that into your business regimen. I've been at it with CrossTracks now a little over a year, and it's just been a game changer for my business. They are SOC 2 certified, SOC 2 Type 2 certified. If you don't know what that means, it means that their encryption system is second to none, and you have to go through a whole screening process to figure out uh, if you can even qualify for that. And they have, so you know with certainty your data is being protected. I don't think there's another case management system out there that offers that same ability to have the SOC 2 Type 2 certification. As you guys know, I've been uh, you know singing the praises of Crosstrax and uh, I really believe in this product and I believe you should check it out. Contact Brad, contact Pat, uh, one of the team members over there and see if it's right for you. Crosstrax case management system, check it out today. Are you overwhelmed with your current case log? Could you use
0: some help with your skip trace assignments? With Merlin Locate Services, rather than adding staff, you can add an entire skip trace department of licensed private investigators who specialize in skip tracing. Check out merlinlocate.com today. When you work with Merlin Locate Services, you bring on a valuable experience and trusted extension to your team. Delph Point keeps on advancing. The commonality search is here. The new data is unlike anything they currently offer and will go in-depth into your target's assets and relationships. Use them on everything from jury research and associate connections to business investigations and fraud cases. You don't want to miss these. Visit delphpoint.com for more details. Sign up and use code PIP20 for additional savings. Gappy will conduct a three-day training seminar this week offering 16 hours of continuing education credit on April 21st to the 23rd. This virtual conference will feature some great speakers including Eddie Ajabe, Jim Nanos, Kelly Riddle, Jim Baker, Mike Rundles, and our very own
1: Matt Spare. You can register online at gappy.org or see the show notes. And welcome everybody back to PI Perspectives. This is your host, Matt Spare. Uh, Today we have Sal LaFerry today, uh, the risk advisor, uh, protective countermeasures is the name of his business. Sal, I want to welcome you back to the program. Still happy to be here. Right, still here. Thanks for hanging in there. I thought maybe you'd go try and uh, chase down the (laughs) Pope and figuring out where's that darn car these days. Uh, (laughs) So thank you. So drones, right? Let's let's talk about that. How did you first uh, get into that? And what did that look like when you first started uh, implementing that technology into what you do?
2: So with uh, you know, one of the things is it, I'm just sort of a bit of a nerd when it comes to technology and the shiny new toys. And you know, I mm. like to, you know, play with them and kick them or you know, kick the tires and, you know, look at that. And then, what I try and do is look at it from the perspective of, okay, how does this get used against the client? You, you can look at a device, you can look at something and see the benefits of it. Right. But in reality, and, and especially with technology, the issue that we have today with technology, as you're well aware of, is that the law just hasn't caught up with technology. It's always lagging behind. So always, you always have yeah. something out there. Yeah, that is is a new piece of technology, and somebody winds up doing something bad with it. There's always a bad actor that tries to use it.
1: Yeah, and the other frustrating part is when you have um, judges that are are trying to decide whether or not to to let something into evidence or whatever. Like they're like 75, sometimes 80 years old, uh, and they just don't understand it. They're from a different time. And it, it's really kind of a struggle. I saw that with, um, you know, online searches and things like that, where I was part of a panel uh, for the New York State Trial Lawyers Association. And, you know, we're talking about all this new technology, geofencing, the ability to do all this stuff. And here's this this judge, and she was she was really nice, a nice lady, but she was like 78. And she just flat out said, like, I don't understand any of this stuff. <laughs> Put it in front of me and maybe I'll get it. Uh, but it's definitely a challenge. Um, and something that you, you're absolutely right. You know, it's a new technology, but, but the law hasn't caught up with it yet. Um, and, um, e- even, uh, you know, it's still an ongoing process, I think. Right.
2: Yeah. So what you, what you have to do basically, or the way I look at it is you take a look at the technologies and you say, okay, now what do we need to do to be able to defend against it? Right. Because you're going to wind up with a bad actor. Sure. You're going to get the frustration from the client that's going to say, well, I want them arrested. I want this done. Right. Yeah. And you go, "Well, no, there's no law covering it. You know, yeah. what do we do with it? Yeah. So, you know, you almost have to be a little, you know, dastardly and muttly about the thing and try and come back and figure out how you're going to, you know, sort of revenge on, you know, on that technology and, and knock them out.
1: Countermeasures, man. Launch those yeah, missiles. <laughs> Take them down. Hence protective
2: <laughs> countermeasures. <They hang> out.
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
2: What are those countermeasures, <laughs> man? It makes sense.
1: <laughs> the segue. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks you, look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good, man. Um
2: so we that's what you do is yeah. you, you try and find countermeasures to those things. And when we looked at the use of drones and we started to realize what the what the impacts were. Uh, was pretty was pretty incredible when we started to realize that we're all familiar with you know bugging and wiretapping and what have you sure but the capability of drones to be able to use as an eavesdropping device was something that we really hadn't thought of in the very beginning
1: yeah one of the things i didn't realize you guys were talking about on that episode was like the dirigible you know like like being able to have a drone up and tethered um i I didn't realize they had something like that i'm just like wow that's that's kind of genius right you have a your power supply you have a direct feed like you don't have to worry about anything being cut off and it's just kind of the eye in the sky thing
2: right and it goes up to about 250 to 300 feet so you, you're at a really high at a high rate and you get, you get a really good view it's 30 story building is what you're looking out of yeah uh and the ability with the onboard cameras today with the high resolution cameras so you're, you're really not losing anything Right, and law enforcement agencies are using this now for um, for crowd control. Yeah, you know, when you when you think you can put a camera up 300 feet and you you could watch protests in you know large large events areas, um, you know it's pretty pretty effective.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that that's the, the one thing too. A, a comment a little bit just on cameras everywhere because you do see that a lot in New York City now right so you've got especially you go to you know the 44th precinct somewhere in that neighborhood and there is these big obstructions sitting in the street that are i don't know maybe 50 60 feet not even actually probably about 40 40 feet up in the air and it says nypd and it's like deterrence almost like here's the camera here's our big spotlights everybody around here better behave themselves you know so you see that stuff but you also see cameras everywhere uh, intersections. And I know what cases I work on people, they see a camera and they assume that it's recording and that's not always the case. So you do get that crowd control department transportation, traffic control type situations where just because there's a camera there doesn't necessarily mean that there's a recording. It could be just for monitoring traffic patterns and things because we do see that too.
2: One one of the things that I was really surprised at was, you know, one of the, one of the industries that was, was being affected by it is a pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. where you have, you know, and I'm sure it carries across. And one I'm familiar with is pharmaceuticals where you have the research and development was going on in facilities. Yeah. and. You go in. You do, you would do a bu- you know a bug sweep and you know camp for you know, covert cameras and what have you and you do all of those you know the things that you can do to sort of lock down. Right. And then you realize that and in one particular situation we had it where it was you had a a drone with a high you know, with a high definition camera was able to peek right through the window and read the stuff that was on the boards crazy and that was the
1: way they were stealing information it is so crazy it, this is reminding me of that that uh, special that was on netflix that spycraft i don't know if you had a chance to check it out um uh, netflix, no, not yeah yet. yeah that's a good one it's about six or seven episodes i think and they they cover all different areas of of spying and one of the episodes was on that, that whole uh, theft of intellectual property and things like that, or, or the way they used to bug the embassies, you know, where, where cool, they had these yeah. big plans where if they got caught, they would detonate a small charge that would destroy the camera and send it down into like the, uh, the water system and flush it out. Um, or that's how they would retrieve their information to blast, blast the cap and send the, the uh, uh, camera down to where it could be retrieved. It's super interesting stuff. Got to check that out. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. it's worth checking out. Uh, I, I know, like, my wife is like hating it. She's like, "This is super boring." I'm like, "This is work." <laughs> Listen, <laughs> enjoy. Like, <laughs> I'm learning here. Uh, so, yeah, it is was, was very cool. Um, even uh, you know, Fear City was another one on Netflix. You know, I don't know if you got a chance to check that one out. Uh, that was with the mob in the '70s and '80s in New York, uh, and there was a whole thing on wiretapping and, and how they went about doing all that stuff back then super interesting. Yeah. Boy, if things, boy, if things changed. Yeah, they really have, you know, um, and, uh, you know, good for us, right? Because of, of technology makes our job uh, that much easier. And, and, uh, you know, we want to have a win and, and protect our clients. That's what they're paying for, right? So being able to deliver on that is, is cool. Talk to me about a situation with drones, something that kind of worked out for you, uh, both as a countermeasure and also as, as utilizing drones on your own.
0: You know,
2: one of the things that we, we never really thought about with it, when, you know, anytime you have new technology that comes forward, you always wind up with, you know, the question is, is it going to impact manpower? Right. Right. We're seeing that today, right? Just as a side of a, as an aside, Marriott Hotels in the city is deciding that they're going to test this in a few hotels. They're going to get rid of the front desk clerk. You're going to have a kiosk. It's going to be non-contact coming in. Wow. Here's a new technology that they're going to use. You're going to get your room key and all your services.
1: Karen's going to be pissed. <laughs> He's <laughs> so gonna have no one to talk to, <laughs> and it's and it's a problem, right? So,
2: yeah. and the first question comes up is, you know, well, we, people are gonna lose their jobs, and so we look at the same thing with any type of technology deployment, right? And with the, you know, with the drone, it was just that it was is going to be a technology deployment, and we're going to lose it. And what we what you realize is that depending on how you deploy it, and in one particular case where you have a very large compound that you need to be able to secure. And where you would normally have people out, you know, roving around and you know, responding and you know, or driving, you know, a vehicle or whatever, depending on the size, you're able. We're able to get a drone deployed. And the idea, and the concept behind that is, you're saving the response, and you're saving an incredible amount of time.
1: Right, you, right. You yep.
2: can get a drone up and on site in seconds. Right, within a minute, you can you can have the drone out and deployed. So you can see, is it someone who's actually coming over the fence? Is it someone that walked onto the property or is it, you know, is it a bear or you know, whatever? Yeah, right. So the the utilization of that type of technology uh, was something that we all kind of went, wow, this is, you know, this is this is pretty good. It's it's an application that, you know, most people you look at it and you're flying the thing around on a beach and you're looking at the pretty girl and you just right. You know, you're never really looking at it in that. And I think the what we're starting to see now is the application, not only of of the cameras being on board, but the second, third, fourth generations are getting much smarter. Yeah. Where you're getting the the different types of detection capabilities. Right,
1: and even battery lives are are, are running longer. I would think. So one of the things I thought was really cool is when um, with po- in Puerto Rico, right, when they had the natural disaster there. Um, I recall um, reading about them using drones and sending drones up the coast to see like who's struggling, who really needs help. And, 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 you know, they're having the response team follow up behind the drone and bringing the the right amount of aid that they needed. Right. So, you know uh, just giving them the lay of the land where they're not showing up and assessing they're assessing before even getting to the location Um, and, and just, you know, talk about efficiency. I think I thought that was something that was really, really cool.
2: And especially from a first responder perspective, you know, it's the the ability to have detection capability on it. So if you're in a toxic environment, the you'll have sensors on board that'll detect if there is a radiological uh, release or if there's a chemical release. Right. right? The biological side obviously is is way more difficult and that becomes problematic. But from a from a chemical and a radiological perspective, nuclear perspective. Uh, you're able to f- to fly that thing in, and you're not endangering the first responders. Sure,
1: sure. Even Those heat, heat signatures, ahead. right? Figuring out where everybody is. Um, yeah, especially so. again
2: with you know, in, in late night, um, and especially in communities that you don't have the, the the ability to have a helicopter service. Right. We're spoiled in the New York area, right? We right. have a NYPD has an aviation unit that ranks as an air force. Right. So, you know, we, we have enough aircraft to, to be able to, you know, to support the city. Right. But if you get out into the, into the smaller regions, you know, and the the smaller towns and villages that don't have that resource, that's something that you can deploy quickly from the back of a car. Right. And be able to find a lost child or,
1: you know, something along those lines. Yeah. That, that's a really great point, man. That's very, very cool. So uh, let's talk about New York city. So you brought it, brought it up there. Um, so I, I I'm not hundred percent versed on this stuff, but it's to my understanding within the five boroughs, you can't fly a drone commercially at all. Is that true or is that incorrect?
2: Yeah, no, that's that was that was true. That you uh the only way you can fly it, you have to have there is a very strict requirements to it and you basically need an FAA license. Right. Uh, there are actual the some of the manufacturers now are Doing this train the trainer stuff, so right. you can you know you can when you buy the drone, they'll send you to one of their schools, and get you certified uh, to be able to, to do that.
1: But even if you're certified, isn't it because of like the city skyline and, and stuff like you're still not allowed to do that? Am I incorrect about that? Or
2: well, you got aircraft flying overhead too, right. so you're you're in a tight pattern, right? You have the, you have the obviously the security concerns. Right. Um, you know when you look at when you look at drones and the the, the ability that they have today. Uh, where you're looking at carrying 10, 15, 20 pounds. And, and we're talking about you know the commercial stuff that we right. would have available, not the stuff we're using in Iraq, right? But the right. Uh, in, of the local of the local capabilities. Um, if you go on YouTube, obviously you can you can see you know the nefarious acts with drones. Uh, there's one that's gotten a lot of publicity with it that you can use a a, a nine millimeter is you know, a Glock is attached to it and you could fire a gun from you know fire a drone you can carry uh, hand grenades you can carry explosives sure uh, so yeah there's a, there is there's obviously an, an incredible risk to it mm-hmm. the problem that we have with with the drones they have all these great capabilities but from a countermeasure perspective the problem that you have is what do you effectively do with it right when in protection, we have that question all the time. When you have a protectee who's out in the open and you have a drone that's incoming, what do you do with it? And, you know, you gotta, you gotta stop it. And, you know, somebody will say, we recommend well, you shoot it out of the
1: air. you can't be doing that, man. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, unless you're using ricochet rapid bullets, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> right. Right.
1: So, so you, or some hey. birdshot, you know, just <laughs> fire it up there
2: you know, and you just, you're going to explode. And if it's got explosives on it and it's yeah. relatively close enough, you're still going to cause problematic. You've got, you know, to fall out. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some devices that have been uh, that have been developed that you can actually take control of it. Mm-hmm. And so it would override the control, but where do you put it? Yeah. You know, now you got this thing and you're just kind of like, Oh, now what, you know, and you just, where do you stick it? Right. Um, but that seems to be the biggest problem. You can there's technology available that will block the the sender to it. Um some of that is almost funny. It's almost cartoonish because if it did have an explosive payload on it and you blocked it, what it will do is it'll go back to its home base if it loses
1: connection with the with with the home you know. And blow up. So that's just <laughs> <laughs> that's a wily coyote that would be something that happened to him. <laughs> The only thing
2: missing from that it just says acme on the bomb. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. You know, talk oh, about man. an Urkel moment. Yeah, exactly, right? right? Did I do that, right? <laughs> Oops. Um so yeah, I, I know I have talked about this particular story before, but I'll say it again because it's it's relevant to what we're talking about here. So I had a um a client of mine who had their client doing a um independent medical examination. And when they left the independent medical examination, their the drone was was there following his person as they go to their car and following, you know, where they're going to. And he calls me up. He says, I, I need you to, to locate this. The guy operating that obviously has to be somewhere around there. So he's got another appointment next week. I want you to go and just sit there and see if it happens again and then figure out where this guy was. So I was like, okay, we'll give it a shot. No guarantees, you know, whatever. And then the following morning after I got the that assignment, he called me up. He said, scrap the assignment. So why he goes, turn, you know, look at this news article. And apparently there was a drone, uh, in Staten Island. Cause this is where this happened, uh, that had collided with a black Hawk helicopter and the black hawk helicopter was caused to make an emergency landing. Do you know that that happened right above my guy's client's house, Ooh. right? <laughs> so, um, and the kicker was the serial number for the drone was was stuck in the black hawk, uh, you know, helicopter. Like so there's a part of the drone that that had gotten lodged into the to the helicopter that had the serial number and they were able to identify who it was and uh yeah sure enough there was somebody that was was doing some surveillance on our guy right so it's just like how did these things happen very very strange but it happened um so i didn't get a chance to go back the next week because you know we <laughs> figured it probably worked itself out uh, but yeah just super interesting there was another guy when i first started like getting into this technology or learning about it basically what he would do he was based out in new jersey And uh, if there was a a motor vehicle accident, something that was heavy that would come through on the scanner and he he was in that area, he would go out and he'd fly the drone and take these overhead aerial photos of the wreckage and the cleanup and all that. Uh, And then later on he would identify who the attorneys were handling that particular accident and then contact them and offer them the ability to purchase the footage that he had, I was like, all right, it's it's a bit of a gamble, but it's kind of cool, right? It, it, I, you know, I don't know how successful he was in doing that, but this was I don't know maybe eight or nine years ago. Um, I thought it was very cool.
2: Yeah, or we'll sell it to the press.
1: Or yeah, yeah, exactly right. I have it available. You think about it; it's probably not a bad idea. Um, but uh, you know, that was New Jersey, not New York, so you could you know fly wherever. The, the restrictions yeah. were were not quite as stringent as they are uh, within the borough. So. Um, you know, it's interesting to see that uh, utilized. So what would you say to the like the everyday investigator that was thinking like, okay, I have this motor vehicle accident or I have this construction site? Uh, would it be worthwhile to get a drone and fly it up and get um, some footage? Is that something that that would be necessary? Or do we just stick to Google images and just call it a day? Um, what's your opinion well, I mean, on that?
2: It, it- if you could wrap it around the case or a specific need or something like that, then it would it would that would obviously make sense that right. you know you you have what the what the intent of it is is sort of you know important. You know, one of the things that um, I'm always a little bit leery with when we when we're talking about video and somebody well you know go out and we want this and take these pictures is. And, and, and I guess this holds true for for everything else that we do is the unintended consequences.
1: Right.
2: Right. Um, you know, you go out, especially with construction sites and you get in and you're going to go out and you're going to conduct that investigation. And you're taking the pictures. Don't be just so concerned with the image that you're taking in front of you. You know, you, you want to take the picture of that board with the nail sticking out of it. I had a stupid example, but you right. get what I'm, you get, yeah. well, you'll just say Acme on today. it though.
1: That's the question.
2: <laughs> you know, it's all right. So there was this, you know, safety act issue, you know, yeah, right. there was this nail was sticking out of a board and that's what we want the picture of. Right. And it just so happens to be that in the background, you have guys working, you know, 30 feet off the ground and they don't have a harness on. And now all of a sudden, you you've put the client at risk. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's the unintended consequences when it comes to, you know, video and imaging like that, that you really got to, you really got to, you know, nail it down and understand what, what exactly are we trying to do? And then more importantly, right, as they say with the doctors, do no harm. Yeah. Same thing here. Uh, What do we want to avoid and what liabilities could we expose?
1: You know, that is a really great example in in thinking uh, from somebody who uh, does risk assessment, um, because that is a whole other aspect of it, right? Not just the incident that happened, but any other exposures that could potentially be there. I mean, you've, you've made a living doing that. So uh, I, I would say, you know, that's something you can assess probably pretty, pretty easy, right?
2: Yeah. And, I, you know, one of, the, one of the big problems that I get from clients and um, I get brought in to, to deal with at times is dealing with risk assessments that they've had done. That give the that give the client these laundry lists of things that are wrong, and a lot of times you know it's, it's a lot of it is good and things that they can do, but at the same point in time they come up with stuff that's totally unreasonable. Right. And what the issue there again, unintended consequence. You're trying to prove your value about give, that. You look at everything that we thought of, and you right. know we're, we're not we wonderful? Right. And what winds up happening is you've now notified the client of a risk that if they don't mitigate they're now liable for
1: yeah see i work on the other side the plaintiff like i want you to do that (laughs) and i want them not to act on it because there's they're you know having actual notice as opposed to constructive notice is a game changer and if you could get actual notice let's go to summary judgment let's not even litigate it so yeah, that, I, I look at that with dollar signs. You look at the dollar signs for a different reason, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah.
2: And sometimes what winds up happening is, yeah. you know, they'll make a request. There was one, it's going back a number of years, but there was one, I, I use it as the example all the time, where one of the risk assessment was done by a company. I won't say who the company was. I'll be kind. Right. Um. They, they do this assessment. And one of the recommendations that they had was that to prevent the possibility of blast exposure to the front of their building. And it was on a major crosstown street in Manhattan, right? One that goes straight from east to west. Mm-hmm. That what, the, what they needed to do was to prevent trucks from driving down the street so that they could mitigate the risk of a blast exposure. Mm-hmm. How do you stop a how do you stop a truck on a major cross down street in New York City?
1: Well, you know, they have signs on Fourteenth Street, no trucks allowed. I see <laughs> trucks there all the time. <laughs> you know. And <laughs> people can't <laughs> <like, "Yeah>, whatever. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, it's like, come on, really, yeah, you, yeah. you you want to do that. And, you know, obviously that opens you up to, well, we can't stop the trucks, but what can yeah. we do to mitigate it? And now all of a sudden you're looking at putting in blast mitigation capability in a building that yeah. has to be retrofitted. And you're talking, you know, a billion dollars by the time all is said and done. And, yeah. you know, it's so you got to be you got to be reasonable about it. And you sure. just got to use some common sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, it, it's very interesting. I think, you know, the bad actors will always find a way if they oh, want to yeah. do it. You know, so that that's just something to keep in mind, too. I mean, well, I think. I think that's that's definitely another subject for another day. The whole risk assessment. I think it's very fascinating.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, we'll definitely. But you know the
2: great the great point, right? About you know the the bad actors will always find a way to do something, mm. and the good thing is they're normally dumb, which gives us the chance yeah. to catch them.
1: <laughs> Although I, I I was talking again with with Carrie last week, we did a uh, an, an episode, and she was saying like overseas, there's actually schools. Where they teach you how to be a better back actor, back, like they're going to yeah. universities to learn how to steal people's identities and do stuff like that. I was like, okay, my mind just poof, kind of blew up. Like, what is this world coming to? <laughs> well, you
2: know, year again, I'm showing my age, but years uh, ago, did you ever hear of the School of the Seven Bells? No, no. So, the School of the Seven Bells was a pickpocket school where you learn how to pickpocket people. Wow. Uh, which that was a big thing many years ago, Of right? course,
1: right.
2: The NYPD had a pickpocket and confidence squad. That, that's all they did was went after pickpockets. Right?
1: right.
2: And then obviously with the advent of technology, you don't have to go out and pick somebody's pocket. Now you can do it electronically with your laptop. And Even worse, yeah. the
1: right day. Yep.
2: Right? yep. Way more effective.
1: Bigger jackpot, yep.
2: But the school of seven bells was, you, you went and learned how to do it. And your final exam was, you had someone who was wearing, you know, was all dressed up with a coat, and on each of like their pockets and whatever, they had bells on them. There were seven bells on the body. Mm-hmm. And you had to be able to pickpocket them without ringing a bell. And that's how you graduated. Mm. That was the school. It was seven bells. Interesting.
1: Interesting. Very, very cool. Um, so before we wind down here, what would you say would be your advice to investigators considering using drones or, or implementing that into their uh, toolbox of, uh, of goodies? What are some things to be aware of if you're considering that?
2: Uh, some of the things to be aware of and consider one, get, your, get the ability to fly it, practice it, understand it, mm-hmm. understand how it works. I mean, how many times have we gotten, have we seen this where you get a piece of technology and you try and deploy it in the field and then yeah. you're sitting there trying to figure out, okay, how do we turn it on?
1: Yeah, it's crashed. So, you know. <laughs> and then when you do, it's just crashing or, or flying away. <laughs> like, no, no, come back. <laughs> Yeah, you know, trying to charge the battery, you know, Uh, you
2: really want to piss a client off, fly the drone right into his window and crack a window. Yeah. (laughs) So learn the technology before you deploy it. Right. Uh, And then if you can, you know, try not to be all things to all people. If you can develop a specialty to it, I think that's really great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether you're using it for, you know, countermeasures with respect to, you know, looking at large scale properties or large complexes to see if you had intrusion. So if you're using it for intrusion detection, make sure that you have not only just the video, but you have the heat sensing capability and infrared, you know, understand exactly what you want to do and, you know, get yourself sorted in that. Yeah. Again, the biggest part, the biggest problem, and it goes across the board with all the technologies is you want to do too many things with it and you just don't understand it well enough. And yeah. Cause
1: problems. No, it's a, it's a good point. So I'm going to end this with another success story uh, on the personal injury side. And um, so uh, there was a, a storm uh, last summer and it was pretty violent um, out in Long Island. It was like one of these microburst deals so there was a building where a uh, the cover of, a, of an air conditioner had ripped off flew through the air it literally flew like into like another building like across the street and crashed through a window and a woman had happened to be walking right past that window and she got hit with a glass and it, it severed uh, her leg pretty badly. It was a very serious injury. Uh, and it was one of these questions, was not an act of God here? Or is it one of these, you know, there was some negligence with regards to the um, the way that the cover was put on there. And we didn't know where where the cover came from. We knew it was one of the buildings around, but none of those buildings were like, yeah, sure, go up to my roof and, you know, have at it. <laughs> it wasn't happening. So um, I am not a drone expert. So I called Jim Nanos um, and that's kind of Jim does a lot of that stuff. Uh, Apple investigations out in New Jersey. So Jim came up and he flew the drone and we located the building here. Here's where it happened. Very, very easy. And I had the piece. I was able to actually recover the thing that went through the window and we saw the ripped screws. And, and, you know, now we can talk about maintenance records and figure out, you know, was this thing not serviced properly? And it, it, it went from an active God case to like, okay, there may be something here. Um, uh, so it was very, very interesting that, it, you know, we were able to, to, uh, succeed on that and, and it worked out. Um, and Jim did a great job. He came up and yep, this is where it's at. You know, he flew in, got close. I had serial numbers. I was able to actually look up the model because I had the, the, the actual piece. So it, it worked out really, really well. So right. yeah, drone success story. Shout out to Jim Nanos. Uh, <laughs> so Hey, Sal, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on. It um, was fun. Thank yeah, God. yeah. And, and you know, folks, I encourage you to check out his show, The Risk Advisor. It's really, really great content. Uh, again, especially if you're not living in that world, you know, you can learn about what these guys do. So when you get the phone call of, hey, I need you to do this, just give us Sal, a call, you know, and, and, you know, they can handle it for you. Really good content, good stuff, well produced. It's on my list of, of shows to listen to. So how do folks get a hold of yourself they, if they do want to ask you questions or whatever
2: So the simplest is you just go to the riskadvisor.com mm-hmm. and go to our website okay uh, and you can you can catch the show there you can also contact us there mm-hmm. you can also go on protectivecountermeasures.com. Uh, on our website there, and you're able to to reach us. Perfect. Um, we're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Perfect. And most importantly, you got to come on my show next. Okay.
1: <laughs> got to be. Got to come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can I can talk about my my, my drone stories. I guess. Uh, but yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, we we cool. we love to cross uh, pollinate. So thank you again, Sal, and thank you everyone for tuning in. And we'll catch everybody on the next show.
0: This was a fun topic. We hope Sal returns soon to talk about some other aspects of what he does. Make sure you check out his podcast called The Risk Advisor. It airs new episodes every Thursday. We also want to thank CrossTracks, Merlin Locate, Stumor Investigations, Del Point, and the PI Institute of Education for sponsoring the show. Now, have you checked out investigatorstoolbox.com yet? Did you know the Android version toolbox app has launched and the Apple version is launching soon? Stay tuned. You'll be able to access the whole site right from your phone. Just search for Investigators Toolbox in the App Store. Remember, it only takes 49 cents a day to unlock the future of investigations. So make an investment in your business and yourself today. The legacy discount is no longer available, but you can still save some money. Use code PIP201836 to save an extra $20. Got a question or comment about the show? Email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. We'll be back next Monday with a new show, so make sure you tune in. Now stay safe out there, everyone.